0: centerlefttalkradio.com when you go to the aforementioned website you will find two links the first of which is the podcast link the second of which is the radio loop link we get we get i think we get about an equal number of listeners on uh, from both uh, mechanisms methodologies uh, both obviously require a an act of uh, digital uh, commission, as it were. Uh, both require you to click a link, but the second, the uh, radio loop is designed to give that feeling of analog-ness uh, that we, or us of a certain age, I suppose, uh, had earlier in our lives when simply turning on the car radio or turning on the kitchen radio or turning on the portable radio that was in our ear. Uh, I, I don't know that, well, when there were talk shows, yeah. That's right, but uh, NBC had gone fully talk show. NBC AM was an all talk radio station by the early 1970s. There was a time when, um, they, well, no, see, just before that, just before it. I guess uh, by the mid-70s, let's say. By the early 70s, it was an all-rock-and-roll station with the likes of Wolfman Jack and Murray the K and, uh, and, and a few other legendary sorts doing rock-and-roll shows back-to-back. It was a magical time there. Um, I was there. I, I, was, uh, I was a, a regular a guest host on a show called the Gordon Hammett show. Gordon did a show from midnight to 4 a.m. and I would usually co-host with him one or two nights a week. Then you got to keep in mind that <laughs> that was at a time. And by the way, well, the point I was going to make with that is that it was evolving into an all talk station. It eventually became uh, a sports station. I think it still is. WNBC, I think, is basically a sports-based uh, uh, programming. But uh, the thing is that at that time, uh, I was young enough to do this. I, I must have been. I don't know how else it was possible. I was working full-time during the day, going to law school four nights a week, weekday nights during the week, and on one or two of those nights, from midnight to 4 a.m., most weeks it was that way. Let's say at least one night a week. From midnight to, well, to three, because at 3 o'clock we repeated the first hour of the show uh, from from 12 to 1. So the 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock show would be the... Um, the 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock segment that had already been recorded, whoever the guest was, whatever was going on. But I would do that at least once a week. I, I wonder sometimes when I got around to sleeping. Uh, but it was an amazing time, and the people I met at that time and the people in the industry that I met at that time were fascinating. I'd, I'd love to catch up with some of them. Uh, some of them are very much... Um, Gone at this point, regrettably. But it was a, it, it, it was an analog moment. It was the, the last major uh, hurrah of analog AM radio as we transitioned into FM and as we transitioned away from uh, talk being just talk. It could have been any kind of talk. It wasn't... And away from j- something that wasn't... Just political talk. When you had NBC AM functioning as a all-talk radio station, it wasn't particularly politically uh, committed one way or the other. And and I think about that occasionally. I'm clearly thinking about it right now. You would not have listened to ABC. Talk radio in the in the mid '70s, because you were a uh, you were left of center, or right of center, or far right, or far left, or super conservative, or super liberal. None I, I, none of those none of those titles, none of those tags, none of those descriptors would have been necessary or a predicate to you turning on one station or another that was in the talk mode phase. I, I, I'm thinking back to the shows that I did with Gordon back in those days. And were there politics? I, 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 there may have been. We were more interested in having interesting guests on the show. We were more interested in having the personality of the commentator really being the thing that people turned into. My, my strongest memories are two different people that we interviewed. Marilyn Chambers, the famous porn star, who had done Deep Throat not too long before then, And Otto Preminger, the the amazingly prolific, brilliant uh, producer-director, who also had a reputation, well-earned, of being one of the most obstreperous, difficult interviews on the planet. As a matter of fact, you didn't feel as though you'd really come of age, you weren't important enough in radio land unless Otto Preminger walked out on your interview. God, he did walk out on the interview that Gordon and I did with him. I, I happened to meet him on a flight not too long after that, which is very interesting. He had no recollection of me whatsoever. I said, Hello, Mr. Preminger. It was so nice having you on our show. Uh, and, and this might, might have been six months or a year or more afterwards. No, No glimmer of recognition in his face. It wasn't as though he was trying to ignore me or say I don't know who you are. Just... <laughs> He did it so many times, it just didn't matter. I remember our engineer played These Boots Were Made for Walking as he left the show. But, but that was the nature of what talk radio was. This whole uh, political siloing of information is, is a much more recent thing. We were actually able to have people talking and being interesting, without restricting it to a pure political motivation or in the case of the way most of what's on radio and AM and, and I guess Sinclair Broadcasting and all that and, and stations here all over the country, especially because, because the, the right-wing version of things tends to be what's on airwaves, where basically uh, heavy-duty craziness is what is promoted. Uh, where where nothing really matters except the repetition of a continued, lie in many in many instances now the whole thing is grounded basically in the notion that Donald was cheated out of an election and that therefore the january six people uh, were a bunch of uh, uh, saints uh, uh, t- either 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 tourists on the one hand or saintly sorts who were attempting to save the country and the language is completely convoluted and everything that was republican is no longer there no longer is any Sense of true law and order, although the words are used accordingly. Uh, it, it just all went wacky uh, as people understood, as, as first the, uh, the urge to, to uh, do this became apparent as as the as the confluence of the financial advantage. And the psychological need began to converge all the more in what ultimately became Trumpism. And by then, of course, the, the, the ground was set. The, 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 the vehicles were out there. The mechanisms for promotion were there. And Donald, who had been a a, a liberal Democrat forever in New York, because that's what was required to keep him going and get what he wanted in business and socially and every other way, overnight, quite literally, decided to become a whacked out total conservative, but more than that, became his own version of it, because that's simply what worked. So... Learning, knowing, instinctively being able to take advantage of psychological weakness. Let's call it what it is. A, a capacity, a propensity, a, a, a willingness to accept a packaged series of lies, a, a bizarre version of reality that comports with it, an underlying sense of grievance And in the case of Donald, basically aggrandizes one person and one person only, Donald. It's fascinating to think about. It's fascinating to to think that I've, and and I have to remind myself of this, I've been in the middle of that transition. I was out of radio, out of any kind of broadcast regular uh, situation until we picked up here with center-left radio. But but I was there when, when there was no particular need to have a political basis for speaking, not playing music, not uh, you know, not not not, uh, not basically doing comedy or whatever it might be the case, not doing entertainment per se. But I was there before that was necessary. I was there when you could just be a personality and people would be interested. And they'd be interested in the guests you've had on your show. It, would be, it, would, it was more important to have some, a good person doing your booking for the show than it was basically to be totally wedded to a particular political position. And, and I think about that um, a lot. Of late, uh, I've, I've, I've found with you know with the ascendance of the far right taking over so much of the media space in this country, uh, there has been this tendency more and more tendency. It has become the practice. The practice is to basically go with a position that is acceptable or has been presented to uh, and, and, and absorbed by and recognized as their own by the, the Trumpian base that, I don't know, 18, 20 percent of the country that is still totally committed to the notion that Donald won and that January 6th was this totally justified thing that happened and that everything that happened since is a, uh, a witch hunt and that, um, and that uh, the FBI and the DOJ are totally weaponized and they're weaponized against uh, conservative types. That's, that's something in the range of about... 20 percent of the country is absolutely committed to those notions. There, there's probably another little window that is uh, well. I might, there might be some of that sometime. I'm not sure, but the the diehard, the red meat Trumpian base, I I would put honestly at about 20 percent of the country, which which makes the the positions being staked out. Pos- I'd say particularly by a DeSantis right now, uh, rather fascinating knowing that. If, if, if you're coming in And and by the way, I'll get to Stuart Rhodes in a a few minutes. The guy, uh, the head of the Oath Keepers, he got 18 years in prison. Uh, Seditious conspiracy. Uh, He deserved every bit of it. He probably deserves twice as much more uh, time in jail. And uh, jumping up and down and saying he's a political prisoner. The judge saying you are a threat to this country and throws the book at him. And, And by the way, there's some very interesting points to be made about the nature of our judiciary being the only branch of government, it would appear, that is still capable of supporting the Constitution, of, of, of functioning as though it is one of three co-equal branches of government and actually actually living up to the standards, largely. There are exceptions. I mean, I can, you can go into what happened with uh, Roe v. Wade. Or Clarence Thomas, but, but but largely, the federal the federal and most state judiciaries basically seem to be able to recognize and deal with and effectively ju- adjudicate cases involving uh, violence against the United States of America. Taking it seriously, not hyper-politicizing it. Fascinating. Which, which makes me curious, I mean really fascinated by the way that um, DeSantis, Ron DeSantis, has begun his rollout, the, if, if you want to call it that, his, the beginning of his campaign. It is clear that he, and by the way, every other declared—how many can there was one, two, three, other four—declared Republicans. There'll be more than that, plenty more than that before time is up. That's because Donald may well be off the playing field. We'll talk about that in a bit. Um, DeSantis has basically done what I what I consider a. a Okay, he has already committed an act of political suicide. Political suicide from the perspective of basically differentiating himself enough from Donald that he would be that he stands a chance of getting the Republican nomination. Now this is not this does not take into account the possibility that Donald comes off the playing field. We have So many other, there's so many more shoes to drop, there's a multi-legged creature out there, Uh, all of the cases that are about to come down, Mar-a-Lago seems to be first. Donald, with a conviction and a sentence, could be off the playing field virtually instantaneously. That that's that's a no, 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 the 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 base will uh, in absentia uh, let demand that Donald be uh, Donald will be the candidate and that uh, he'll have surrogates going around the country uh, uh, who will be doing bus stop tours and handshaking uh, wearing Donald masks or something and uh, or claiming that. You know, his, ju- his orange jumpsuit doesn't fit him correctly in prison or whatever the case may be. But basically turning it into a joke, balderizing the nature of the, 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 the criminal system in America and saying that Donald is not you know, not capable of it, cannot be part of it. He is absolutely being treated, blah, 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 blah and the vast majority of the country of course will not buy it suburban women will not buy it it will it will not be uh, an acceptable thing there could be something on the uh, on the order of a uh, of a reagan or a nixon win taking over 45 more or more states against a donald trump uh, candidacy conducted from either the confines of or with the burden of uh, federal convictions, including uh, jail time or restricted time, because he will not be permitted to go out and and run a campaign if that's to happen. No one's talking about this right now. But this is why you're seeing candidates coming out there. But I want to go back to DeSantis for a moment here. Oh, and please let me add, uh, and I've apologize for not adding it already, that today, the 26th of May, is a Friday. It's the start of the Memorial Day weekend, but that's not the, the reason I'm saying this. The reason, the more important fact is it's a Friday, and today on our show, David's going to be here. David Bach will be with us in our second segment, so please, you know David has uh, very, very defined and well-supported opinions about a number of uh, issues here. And uh, as always, we look forward to him being here. So stay with us through the entire show today. Back to, to uh, the, the lovely Ron DeSantis again for a moment, if I might. He went out of his way yesterday. And I don't know if it was on a, I, I believe this was, was it televised or was it in response to, uh, did he do it on some social media posting? I don't know where it was. But he went out of his way to say that he would absolutely on his first on the first day of, of the DeSantis presidency. The very first day, he would form a commission that would review and in all likelihood pardon the vast majority of those who have been convicted and jailed, well, just even convicted, of crimes associated with January 6th. Translation. Let I me mean, just to translate that. What what does that say? It says, "I am exactly like Donald. I am, I am New Coke to Donald's Coke. We know what happened to New Coke. It it went away because it there was nothing to differentiate it, or or to successfully differentiate it from the old Coke." Consumers had no desire for it. It didn't do anything. It was for the sake of simply being New Coke. DeSantis has declared himself the political equivalent within the Republican Party of New Coke. And has said, all I am is basically repeating what Donald is saying. Now, you you have to ask yourself, why on earth am I therefore bothering to go out and even put myself there? There's only one possible answer. It's the same answer that all of the different Republican candidates essentially are are, are having. It's the internal debate, the the internal conversation, the, the mental, the spiritual Conversation that they are having within the depths of their souls, bless them. All knowing full well that they're lying, they have to lie to keep the base happy, that 20% of the population, just to, to keep them on their side, because yes, somehow, some way we're gonna need them. But knowing also or being or feeling confident in the knowledge that Donald will not be on the playing field for the full extent of this campaign and will not be around by the time the election takes place and that by by sheer dint of his absence, be it as a result of a prison sentence or maybe an ankle bracelet and being kept in Mar-a-Lago, he will not be viable as a candidate for the Republican Party, for the presidency of the United States. That there will most likely be an alternative source, an alternative candidate that people will be gravitating towards. Now, again, I've spoken about this on prior shows, and I'm not, I don't hear enough of this out there. If it's not the case, then why the hell Would anyone else be running against Donald Trump? Because you're not going to stop him. The base is not gravitating in a Nikki Haley way. Uh, Scott, Tim Scott from Florida, is not basically uh, able to pull the base in right now. More than Donald Trump, Donald, Donald owns the base. But what happens and what will happen and what most likely if anyone else running is counting on happening is that Donald will not be available. Miss, miss, uh, miss Miller regrets... That she will not be able to die—a great uh, Noel Coward song from the nineteen thirties. Uh, there will—I I will not be able. I'm sorry, I—I I will not be able to make our dinner uh, engagement this evening. Uh, in the case of the song, uh, Miss Miller had uh, had uh, ended her own. Well, it's a great—it's a great song. Go listen to it. Uh, in the case of Donald Trump, it may very well be because um, he's uh, behind bars. No judge, no prison is going to say, but by the way, we'll set it up so that you can, you can campaign from prison. No, it's not going to happen. The judicial system is holding. The prison system is basically an extension of the judicial system. The federal judiciary, the criminal judiciary, I don't care if it was a Republican judge or a democratically appointed judge, by and large, the judiciary is holding firm, the likelihood is Donald will be interrupted in some substantial way by the judiciary system as we go further along. But as we tend to be in America these days... We have our noses in that day's news. We are, we are absolutely buried in the current news cycle. We can't imagine the larger context. We basically go along with our commentators on all sides who basically are commercially selling the news. And to sell the news and to sustain a listenership or a viewership, whatever the case may be, you go with the stuff that, uh, you know, is, is most strongly desired and, and stimulates your audience the most. It's numbers. It's a numbers game. You don't want to say to a, to a uh, left or center-left or a or far-left audience, don't worry, Donald will be off the field. Well, first of all, you can't predict that, absolutely. But you don't necessarily want to even get that context out there because it somewhat blunts the force and the urgency of the messages about what a danger he is and how horrible he is and the stuff that people tune in to hear regularly. Now, he is a danger. He is a menace. He is all those things. But by now, and, and, and this is really... The last thought I want to get out there before before uh, David shows up, um, we've got to, and I think we're getting to the point where we're not we're not bursting at the seams. We we are not like the Trumpians who are in a perpetual state of of acting out their grievance, of, of jumping up and down, of, of perpetuating and, and wallowing in and sharing, they're, they're, to, they're, they're, they're passing the joint of irrational grievance around perpetually. They must remain high on this. This is what, this is what their identity is, political, and I would argue otherwise. We don't need that level of stimulation. We know, as ridiculous and insane as it may be, that a former President of the United States is committed to destroying the country and the Constitution that he ran. That he basically is attempting, still to this day, has never stopped talking about, overturning an election that was free and fair that he knows perfectly, perfectly well was and that others will others following him feel obligated to take up that banner and that the the real core people who believe him and absolutely believe this are probably in the range of less than 20% of the country this this is a reality and the guy can't shut up. He has no off switch. His pedal to the metal, it's welded to the floor. There's no steering wheel and no brakes. This is who he is. Again, his, his niece said it so perfectly, Mary Trump. Too much and never enough. This is what, do, that, that defines Donald. And we somehow, by some bizarre quirk of history, bizarre quirk of our personality as a nation, our, our, our fixation on entertainment and media and all these things, by however all those things came together, this clown, this lunatic, this, this, dangerous, this dangerous person became president of the United States and did a lot of damage is, and is on the verge of doing, a, has done a lot more since and is on the verge of doing a lot more. Now, must we become insane over this? No! Quite the opposite. At this point, it's critical that we simply accept Donald and what he's doing as the nature of things. This is the reality of our country. There is a man named Trump who basically, given his druthers, would take the entire country down, would destroy the Constitution, would destroy the judicial system, would basically remove the voting processes, would basically negate everything, would make the courts nothing but a vehicle for essentially uh, supporting his whims, would destroy the national security by doing whatever worked for his purposes, would, would basically devolve and destroy NATO, would basically make Western Europe completely at the whim of Russia would would just blow things to shit given the opportunity now you can get crazy about that you can you can jump up and down and set your hair on fire And we've been doing it. A lot of people have been doing it. We've been the 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 center from anywhere from the center to the left has been doing it uh, for for quite a few years now. But this is not the time to find more uh, mechanisms for igniting hair. This is the time for saying okay and almost calmly, almost calmly, saying, this is what it is. We have an illness in this country. You, you, we almost have to be doing a differential diagnosis, sort of political medicine, as it were. I, w- I, w- I would use the analogy to energy medicine, but I would have to now get into my writing, and I'm not going to bother doing that. Not right now. Uh, we, there, there is an energetic illness, that is being experienced by a substantial part of the country. That is, basically become enthralled with the illness of another individual who gives vent to their worst, their worst feelings. In the past, we've always had, in this country, probably close to 25 percent or more of the people who, given at least if they were interviewed and asked about it, would say, "Yeah, burn it down, start all over again. It's no good, blah, blah, blah." And historically that that percentage has not really had the mechanisms or the vehicle to rip things down. I would argue back in the late teens and early 20s, just after the First World War, the Ku Klux Klan basically had far more control of things going on in this country than anyone really recognizes, and in many ways were on the verge of taking over both the political and practical life of this country, it did not ultimately happen i would ha- I would have to basically thank the Great Depression uh, for for that in many ways uh, the, the The Wall Street crash and the depression. things changed to keep that from happening. We went through our racial situation we went through all these other things that and we're still in the middle of it. but we've never had. A group of uh, of the real, uh, you know, lift up the rocks uh, and what's underneath them. Crowd, in a position of power, I they are in a bigger and a greater position of power right now than I would argue they've ever been. I you could argue that the Civil War w- would have been one of those periods, but <clears throat> the Civil War basically, uh, I, I even then. You did not have a president of the United States basically campaigning for the destruction of the structure of the Constitution, of the, of the elements, of, of the implements of governance that he was supposedly overseeing and basically giving vent to an entire population with the sole purpose of serving his own personal ends. We've never had that situation. And I'm arguing again that we have to accept that we do have that situation right now. And that we have to basically accept it in a level-headed, reasonable way. And we have to look at the best ways to overcome that situation. We have to look at the probable realities that will be uh, flowing as we go deeper and deeper towards and into the election cycle. We have to look at the reality of what Donald Trump is and could actually do. We have to consider the forces and the the. the, the messages that need to be out there, the organizational activities that need to be undertaken in order to ensure, absolutely ensure, that Donald or his ilk or a, uh, you, know, uh, you know, New Coke, uh, Ron DeSantis or anybody else cannot find their way into the White House. There are many, many mechanisms that are in play and will come into play between now and the time that even that possibility could occur before certainly before, before the republican nominations would actually take place we should be focusing on those what do we do not oh my god how could this be happening in america no we know trumpism is happening in america We've got to get past the pure emotional uh, charge, the rush of, oh, my God. No, no more, oh, my god Simply, there it is, and it cannot remain. It cannot stand in this way. What are the reasonable, rational, legal mechanisms that are available for stopping it? We have them. They're out there. We know the judiciary works, by and large. We know, from all the elections that have taken place from after 2016, that Trump is a loser. He's a losing ticket. We know that he's going further down the tubes. We know that he's obviously being affected by all of the legal pressure finally on him. First time in his life, the guy is finally having to face accountability for his actions. We know all that. None of that But the first reaction cannot be glee. The first reaction must be organization and thoughtfulness about, okay, what do we do to make certain, structurally and every other way, that we cannot and will not ever have a Trump or a Trump wannabe in the White House? And that's gonna require organization. It's gonna require Support. is going to require money. It's going to be requiring a lot of people getting out there and feeling and sensing the importance of this election for exactly what it is. This will be our last opportunity, our last opportunity to preserve our constitutional democracy. If you believe that Jeffersonian uh, democracy is something worth holding on to. If you don't want to drift into a fascistic state, then you cannot have Donald Trump or his ilk win the White House in 2024. It's not an option. And you cannot ensure that if you are perpetually setting your own hair on fire. We must be organized in a way that we have never been before. And I feel that 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 urge towards organization is not quite what it could or should be at this point. There's still time. But we must begin organizing in ways and consciously, all of us, consciously involving ourselves in the mechanisms or choosing a mechanism that will ensure that at this point, the way things are setting up, that Joe Biden remains president of the United States. Yes, he's old. Yes, he seems to be a little weak of step as he goes. His brain is as sharp as can be, and he knows exactly what the hell he's doing. And he's got a hell of a solid vice president next to him, and I'm not worried about any of that. What I'm worried about is the alternative. Not to the point, but not by simply jumping up and down and screaming. I put my messages out. Yes, it's arguable that I'm not the calmest of message disseminators, but I am encouraging people to basically act. You are all hereby deputized as, as Arjuns. Arjun being the hero. Well, yeah, I guess I'd call him the hero of the Bhagavad Gita, the great poem of God, as it were, in the, in the in Hindu tradition. It, it, it began in oral tradition probably somewhere between four and 5,000 years ago, and ultimately is the story of a warrior, Arjun, who finds himself in a position where he has to fight members of his own family the next day, people who he's grown up with, who he's loved, who he's, but because of the way justice the forces of justice, to make a just end occur. He has no choice but to fight members of his own family. Otherwise, he basically surrenders himself to basically allowing injustice and inappropriate behavior to rule. And he's in a fix. He can't deal with it. And Krishna, one manifestation of God... There's only one God in Hinduism. No, there's not a billion different gods. There's one God expressed any number of different ways. Krishna, the expression of God, uh, appears as his charioteer. And through a series of imageries and, and, and poetry and, and brilliant insight into human nature, gets Arjuna to understand that in the end, we must That for all of the pain, for all of the discomfort about taking on a morally correct position and decision, it all comes down to nothing if we don't act on our moral commitment. I am deputized, and it's very difficult. It's a difficult thing to deal with. It's it's not what you would think of. As, My God, real, you know this is religious. This is part of a religious document. Well, you'd have to understand Hinduism a bit more to understand that it, it goes well beyond pure religion as we think of within a Western context. It goes into life. It goes into philosophy. It incorporates living. I would say, but you are all now deputized as Arjuns. You must recognize that with the moral understanding and commitment, there must be a calm, calm commitment to action. That's what must come next. And we'll be talking about that more and more in the weeks ahead. Wow. I'm going to have, we're going to have a little jazz right now. Stay with us. David is coming just after a little more jazz. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know. We all know. We can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Center Left Radio. Thank you. You're listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz, and you're listening to us on the web at www.CenterLeftalkRadio, one word, centralleftalkradio.com.) Um... Yeah, that's all I wanted to say. Except, David, what's on your mind?
1: Oh, there's a decent amount. Um, so if you want to hear more, you should follow me on
0: Twitter at uh,
1: Faces Ideas New. Um, so look, we have the debt ceiling, we have uh, the DeSantis launch, and we have Target stuff. And I want to talk about the Target stuff first. Okay. So every couple of weeks, conservatives online get mad because... They see a rainbow, or they're lying about it. Like, that's not an exaggeration. They see it it come... Especially, like, I I don't... It's going to be very stupid during this Pride Month. Um, They are uh, very anti-gay, anti-trans right now. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah.
1: And they've taken to... This special way of dealing with this, especially after the Dylan Mulvaney thing, which for those of you who aren't terminally online, um, Dylan Mulvaney is literally just a trans person who does advertisements. Yeah. Um, and because, according to the right, you can't be even remotely kind to trans people. They lost their shit anytime they got one. Well. Of course. One of those times was during March Madness. He did a 45-second Instagram commercial for Bud Light. This made them lose their minds. They yep. started, quote-unquote, boycotting Bud Light. Now, to be clear, some of them did actually boycott it, except, of course, they're stupid, so they did it by buying Bud Lights and then shooting them. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: They, <laughs> um, the problem is, every single time they've done one of these boycotts, whether it was matt walsh lying and uh there's a tiktok lying about the boston children's hospital whether it's them complaining about drag shows whether it's uh but like whether it's now target because they're literally lying about the existence of trans clothing in the children's section these are not done by just people not going there they're all followed up by violence every single time there was Bomb threats to the hospital and death threats to the workers there. There was death threats to the Bud Light um, facilities. Somebody firebombed a, a. It was like a Dunkin' Donuts or something that hosted like a drag queen story hour. Um, there have been death threats to and harassment to workers in Target, which we know there has been because these these idiots they they film themselves destroying things and harassing people. Like this is not a. Uh, they're not out here doing boycotts they're out here doing terrorism yeah because that's their goal yeah now rainbow capitalism is stupid but their goal is to make it so that it's it doesn't work because they they're just advocating for violence and it's part of a larger trend which I'm
0: i'm convinced that they get a rush there's a there's a whole subset there they get a rush at the notion that there are people who therefore go ahead and commit violence or threaten violence based on what they have fomented and it's 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 sick. And of course there's always the well I I I, I didn't I didn't actually pull out the gun or I didn't do the firebombing or I didn't make the threats online myself. But it's all part of this very, very sick mentality. And, of course, within our judicial system, you're damned responsible. We'll find that out more about McDonald and January 6th, and that'll happen over time. But, I mean, Stuart Rosen found out about that today or yesterday without even being there. he uh, Well, going on from there. But, yeah, it's well, an illness. It's an illness.
1: It's, it's, so It's worth that. So the person who does most of this is the Daily Wire. Um, it's Matt Walsh. Well, he has literally no talent other than I hate any type of ability that trans people showed any shred of kindness. Yeah. Um he he's just a, a, a terrible human being. He's just a bad person. Like he has so much hate in his heart for every like group that isn't like a straight white Christian male. It's it's unbelievable. Um but he doesn't care. And these people who are doing it, they don't care. They just want to make lives miserable for trans. To the point where, and this is an interesting little tidbit that came out recently. Apparently, and the theory is this: Tucker Carlson's camp, the DC—I uh, think it's DC or New york um, Fox office has allows their or their employees to go to whichever bathroom they identify with, and they they respect their pronouns. Now, obviously, you can't do this if you're on the right because that's showing trans people baseline amount of humanity. Problem is, because Newsmax was the one who, who leaked on this story, yeah. who also have their offices in the same area, it's illegal not to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So either they're complaining about something that they, there's just the law, or they're breaking the law in their own offices. Either way, they should be investigated to see if that's what they're doing.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: But um, as for the, The uh, paying their credit. So, yes, the leader of the Oath Capers got 18 years for seditious conspiracy, not for um, trespassing or anything, seditious conspiracy. He was
0: never on the premises. He was never on the premises. And they were armed. They knew that
1: they had guns and they'd prepared for this. Yeah. Like, they they were ready for this. And it's not that he was, like, entrapped or anything. He had an unhinged statement at the end, basically, like, yeah, I'd do it again. Um, it's he they are it's good. Like he deserved probably more time, but that's um That's my thought as well. One. That's my thought. But ju- I think the leader uh the the female of one got twelve years. Mm. Um, but that's not the real point. The real point is this should be a question asked on every single Republican debate. Would you pardon people like Stewart's Rhodes? If you became president. If they say yes, they're immediately disqualified. Yeah. Because at that point, it's not, a oh, I need to look into it. It's, no, the man was charged and convicted of seditious conspiracy for the United States. If you believe that he is innocent or that you would pardon him, you do not believe in the United States. When and you, you are okay with people attempting to overthrow the government,
0: but you, which you, would you, include you just your made, government you, in president. D- David, your point is so strong, though, for another reason. Where will the debate take place other than between presidential candidates where whoever winds up – well, let, let's start even in the, in the primary level among Republicans. Where would there be a debate – that one of the Republican candidates would actually start talking about the, the correct and appropriate use of judicial power or presidential power vis-a-vis pardons and, and how far would they get in a pre-primary uh, uh, world among Republicans so I'm, I'm, I question where that would come up let's say in a pre-Republican primary and the only time you're going to have a Republican debating a Democrat would be either at the presidential level or when you have a statewide office like a senator, basically, where there's a, deb- a debate on that level. And there is no answer to it. So, in other words, I don't, I don't see that debate taking place until we're actually in the election the election cycle itself, the post-primary cycle. Is that what you're no. thinking as well? No, it's going
1: to come up during the the onstage debate during the primary because it's already being asked and you have to remember they're going to try to get the craziest host to ask them because it's all cultural nonsense they're going to ask them things like oh do you think president Biden should be impeached in president because so, so you're you're saying um, the
0: commentator the commentator would be asking this not not the candidates yeah. among themselves no, no, okay no, no, okay Kenny okay, okay. It right is okay on to the moderator
1: or whoever's in if it's the moderator, some type of to ask that question, because this is a thing Donald Trump has advocated for. This is a thing Ron DeSantis has advocated for. This is a thing that Marjorie Taylor Greene is pushing. This is um, she was celebrating. I think Jacob Chansley got out on probation or something. Uh, for those yeah. who don't know, he's the QAnon Shaman. Yeah,
0: yeah, um, yeah. He's on she, he's on probation
1: at the moment. Yeah, uh, and she was cheering for that. Like it is worth it is worth bringing to light. Yeah, that as long as you do violence in the name of a right-wing cause they will allow you to get away with it this goes back to uh january 6. this goes to daniel perry who was found guilty of crime he was found guilty of murder by the people in texas and they said no 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 this is this is against our laws it's like no man this is how the justice system works. Right. Get but, over it.
0: But I want—I—I—I—I like, I, I, I don't want to beat this to death. But I—but I want to—I really want to clarify this because this is a, this is a very practical situation. Knowing that a rational commentator moderator would ask such a question, if you're a Republican candidate knowing that in order to keep the base on your side, you have to say something that effing insane, then certainly on a presidential level, you would avoid having moderators. So that, that, that means that the only televised debate you could do would be with I don't know. Uh, some super, super, super off-the-edge one America news type. Even Fox, I don't think, could could avoid asking that question. And the question is an automatic poison pill for whoever has to answer it, which would be all the different candidates. So, where, where it, the, does that essentially negate the possibility of of functional? Presidential, uh, or you know, within the Republican Party, how do you even schedule a debate where those questions could be asked?
1: I don't know if that's on them. They
0: have to figure that out. I don't care. I, I hope they do it. Yeah. It's, that, it's, so it's, do it's what, I. I, like- I just want to bring that up. And 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 by the way, the absence of effective debates. What I'm, what I, the point I wanted to make is that the Republicans are arguing their way out of getting coverage. They're arguing their way out of coverage because they can't discuss certain things as a result of what they're saying and doing right now. Just well, I throw also, it out
1: there. I kind of hope they don't. Yeah. They, they have less coverage um, because their their bases are weirdos. Like, it is... So, Ron DeSantis launched his campaign on Twitter. Yeah. Um, anyone who wasn't a uh, red-pilled Republican or an Elon Musk understood... That this was going to be a disaster. Basically, since Elon has um, taken over, he's essentially made Twitter unusable um, for for a whole host of reasons. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, yeah, very yeah. clear from the get-go that this would not function in, in the way it was supposed to. But on the other hand, this is the perfect place for Ron DeSantis to launch his presidential campaign. One, he is a weirdo with no charisma. Yeah. Two, higher his entire appeal is based on online nonsense. So the only people who would care about the fact that he uses things like CRT, they brought in Christopher Rufo, who's still admitted that his sole job is to lie about CRT. Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, He used, he, he was talking about, I think he said the woke mind virus seven times in two sentences. Um, his whole campaign, like that's the thing of this. Not enough people understand how how brain broken these arguments are and what the things that they're they're arguing on. It's it's just ludic- ludicrous. Uh, and it needs to be pointed out to the American people time and time again that these people are insane.
0: Yeah. No. It's I I I I think that will become more apparent again depending on how much exposure these candidates get once rational commentators and moderators pose rational questions and they have to come back with insanity or the other side of that no, they deny that they ever said anything like free all of the January sixth convicted convicted types. They they deny what they've ever said about transgender people. And then, of course, then the quotes are instant you know instantly put out there. There's so much but unlike the 2016 or the 2020 election, there's so much material now with Every, well, I'd say, unlike the 2016, the amount of, 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 fact, of fact-based fact material to blow any Republican candidate out of the water, at least if they're claiming to be rational, is just there. It's automatic. It's instantly available, and it's going to be part of all the campaigning. And and, and this is, of course, especially true on the presidential side with the DeSantis and Trump. But, of course... There's still no 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 guarantee that Trump will actually make it through all of the different convictions and the sentencings, that he will actually even be allowed to be on the playing field as this thing gets closer and closer to uh, the 2024 election. He may be off the field. Which to me is why I think you're getting Republicans jumping in at all. They know they have to suck up to the base for the time being. But they're hoping that the judicial system, the last surviving rational arm of the of our, you know, of our, our three part government will basically take Trump off the field. I don't know how you feel about that.
1: Well, I mean, that's the only way they're going to win is he gets taken off the field.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And then and then who are they? What what they are is they're 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 new Coke versus old Coke. And the and the, and the public is going to say, who the hell needs this? Why do I need a Trump wannabe? If if Donald's off the field, why the hell would anyone vote for DeSantis? I wanted Trump. Now maybe they'll have a write in for Trump or I I don't know how that works, but Yeah,
1: no, they they will not be able to to carry it if it's not Trump. But the other thing is this is the faster that the debt ceiling gets done, yeah. However, you know, whatever they extract from from Biden because the Democrats failed. Um, I'm really happy that they're like, oh, yeah, we probably should have dealt with this. I know everyone who was screaming at them to do this, that they told, no, it won't be a big deal. I was like, yeah, you're damn right. You should listen to us more often. Yeah. But once the debt ceiling is over, it's, they got nothing. We're yeah. going to we're gonna get Marjorie Taylor Greene doing impeachment week part two. Yeah. We're going to get <laughs> yeah. James Comer. Yeah. Um, yeah. James Comer going on Fox News saying, yeah, we got nothing on Joe, uh, Joe Biden again and again and again. Yeah. Um, but they—they're not going to get anything
0: done. No, no. They're, they're, they, there's nothing to legislate. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. Yeah. And I—and I totally agree with you. It's a—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a wacky situation. I've been—I've been watching the market indicators. <laughs> I'll be perfectly honest. with uh, what my wife and I have been doing is rather carefully watching the markets to see if there's going to be a reaction. Do we move things out of 401ks directly into cash as quickly as possible and stuff like that? And the markets just have uh, shrugged at all of this, and this is going to pass. The whole debt ceiling thing will pass, and I totally agree with you. After that, what the hell do they have to play with? You know. Yeah,
1: and and hopefully between this time and then the next time they try to raise the to the debt ceiling, someone will have convinced Joe Biden. Oh, by the way, you don't have to make this deal with them. You could just unilaterally decide to to pay the bills. Absolutely, because some, absolutely. Like just been, pay the
0: bills and be done or, with it. That's it.
1: Or do the coin or whatever. Like they're more ready for this because they realize these lunatics will actually blow it up. Yeah. Because to be clear, yeah, there is no reason for a deal. All they need is five Republicans to flip sides for a clean debt ceiling bill. And it's worth mentioning that the Senate is not a go through because people like uh, Mike Lee are like, yeah, I'm going to blow this shit up as best I can. Yeah. Like they they're they're playing with this because, again, and this is worth mentioning Anytime you talk about this, it is in the Republicans best interest that the country is in a shittier place than when they started for them in twenty twenty four.
0: It's a crazy thought, isn't it? And I've, and I've heard that, I've heard that, that the logic about that, uh, and, and, you know, and worked through, and it's sick. But, but when that's all you've got, saying, look at how much worse things are. Be, be, of course, the part that you can't say out loud is because we pushed it in that direction to make sure it got worse. But, but then how do you avoid, but, well, we had the house for the last, it, it's, it's sick. It's it's crazy, and I don't think enough of the country is going to buy it. It it just, well, that's why we play the games. That's why we play the games. What else you got going on there, David? Uh, that's that's really all I got. For right I think now. I think that's all you need. <laughs> I think that's uh, that's that's more than enough to chew on. I'm I'm just fascinated by by how this will play out. I I totally agree with you. And I think that's it's a point that hasn't been made sufficiently, that once this debt ceiling thing is gone and passed, and it will be, and it'll be forgotten about, like all the others, what the hell did these people have to play with? The issue is not waiting for them to do something so that we can light our hair on fire. The issue is to organize, 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 and act to make sure that there isn't the vaguest possibility of a Republican being in the White House uh, on inauguration day in January of 2025, that the Senate stays in Republican hands and that the House goes back to the Democrats. This is, this is the ultimate final uh, uh, vote about—it's it's, it's the ultimate trial— of our jeffersonian democratic system and this is I mean, i've been saying this about elections since uh i guess 2018 but this is the big one this is the big one this sets the tone for a lot of time to come and uh i think we have to start getting very very serious about it far more serious even than uh, we have been at this point but we'll see i once again thank you for all of that and uh, would you remind people where they can hear you uh, they can find me on Twitter at FaceSite. Yes, no. Sounds great. David, thank you so much. Uh, as I am want to do at this point on Fridays, I offer you uh, the opportunity to sit back and think about what we're saying and to do it most relaxedly with a little more jazz. <laughs> been listening to Central Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope politics and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer and thank you once again for being part of today's show. The Republicans have dealt themselves the ultimate losing hand. It has... Donald's picture on every card, nothing works. There are no Trump cards whatsoever. The base must be constantly satisfied. The red meat is all they want. Rationality is thrown to the wind, and there's no way any of their positions can be reasonably debated.